For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Friday, everyone, and I'm here, and welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. I am so glad that you're here today. I am so excited about today's lineup of guests. We have two cabaret stars, yes, stars that are here. We have a Piermont photographer and children's book author. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, she's going to be doing a talk on how you can publish your own book, uh, we have a gentleman here who is uh, doing an incredible series on YouTube, which I think I'm going to be on, uh, wink, wink, uh, soon, I hope, uh, talking about the history of gay bars. Uh, we also have someone who has just returned from the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. So there are so many things that we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to be wrapping up this week in a wonderful way. Uh, you can see behind me, these are Peace Roses, uh, and today is National Peace Rose Day. Uh, it's very funny. I called a florist uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to name them. Uh, I called, well, I'm not going to name the florist. But anyway, I called one florist. She didn't even know what a peace rose was. But I called Ned Kelly's in Piermont. And of course, they put this beautiful arrangement together for me. And we got these great roses today. And I got them because today is my husband, Dan Sherman's birthday. So any of you out there who are watching who know Dan, uh, please uh, text him. Call him, uh, reach out, wish him a happy birthday. He deserves your love because he lives with me and he deserves all the love he can get. That's worth celebrating. And I'll be the first to admit it. I've often said that when that day comes where he passes on and he gets to the pearly gates, uh, St. Peter is going to walk up to him and he's going to say, here, here's your purple heart. You have certainly earned it. But anyway, we're going to celebrate these incredible artists today, and we're going to celebrate you. I'm going to click over and see who is actually here with us today. And we have Ron, who is here again today. We have Don. We have uh, Pam. Uh, and uh, I'm actually going to go to you, Pam, and I'm going to let you pick our first number today. So pick a number one through five, and it's like, uh, let's make a deal. One, two, three, four, five. And behind one of these magic doors we will bring up our first guest. They don't know who is behind that no number. So Pam, you give us the number and we will bring up that first person today. Uh, so they're all sitting there rubbing their hands, not knowing who I'm going to be bringing on. So Pam, as soon as you give us that number and the number she's picking up is going to be number three. Now, this is a dear, dear friend. Uh, she's not here in New York. Uh, she's actually... Uh, there you are, Jennifer. I'm first. Uh, yes, you are first today. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I love you. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm glad that you said yes, because I've been trying to get you here for a long time. Uh, <laughs> and you are one of the hardest working people that I know. Uh, you are constantly working on your craft. You're constantly working uh, on the business itself. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on. Uh, I know that you uh, have just recorded some songs for Bob Levy. Uh, your songs, God bless them, are being played all over the airwaves right now. I know. Isn't that cool? Yes, it's exciting. Yes. So what am I doing? I'm getting back to vocalizing to get my voice in great shape. Um, adding that uh, physical fitness part because I really believe it's we're like an athlete to really do our craft. Um, I went to a reunion uh, last weekend at the Hillberry Theater, and I had forgotten that my roots really are in Detroit, uh, our theater. So it's bringing a lot, a lot of the desire for me to do more um, of my acting craft as well as my music. Um, you know, I did a website about a year ago, and that's getting some good, uh, some good hits. But right now, I'm just trying to gather um, new material for a new show. Um, I'm trying to get in the studio and record our Sheldon Harnick show. His birthday, I believe, is tomorrow. So I that's right. It yeah. is. Got him a happy it's birthday. Perfect that you're here today. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to stay motivated to get that show up again in the fall, hopefully um, 
Ted, my musical director, has been so busy. We have to postpone and postpone. You know, there was no work for any of us, Ted Firth. And then all of a sudden, we all got so busy with, with you know, playing catch up. Um, this week is huge because um, uh, through COVID, I struggled to keep all the bills paid. So I did a lot of, you know, jack of all trades type work. And this week, I'm current going forward into May. It feels like a, an all new person freed up again to do my art. So I'm super excited. Um, and then... Uh, I have three new shows in my brain. Some of them I'm writing down. Um, Leonard Bernstein, I've got two other ideas. So uh, I'm reading a lot of biographies again. I'm doing everything I can to keep, uh, you know, to keep my mind moving forward, as you and I have talked about, keeping, keeping, the, keeping on my intended path and keeping my skills up. So, yeah, I feel like a huge burden is lifted. Uh, Bob's songs did really well, and they are getting a lot of airplay. A lot of we had five positive reviews on that CD on on, on his CD, and I got mentioned in all of them, which is a blessing. And he was nominated for a Mac Award uh, for the CD, and the song that you recorded was also nominated for yeah. a Mac Award. And yeah. I'm sure that your recording had a lot to do with that. Oh, I did it in. Grand Rapids, Michigan, remotely. And I chose a difficult key to sing it in while I'm still here. You heard it. Mm -hmm. um, knowing that I could have done it as a low ballad, but I really felt due to the lyrics and uh, the musicality of it, I wanted to make it a difficult song. So I sounded like I was really yearning and and really hoping to live my life to the fullest. And some, some I would say, unfulfilled dreams are still going to happen in that in that song for me. So uh, I think it was uh, Rob Lester. No, it wasn't Rob Lester. Who was the one that mentioned it? Um, someone mentioned um, the fact that that was the perfect um, uh, singing of an unrequited experience or unrequited longing. So that kind of was the reason that I that I chose to do it that way. And um, yeah, it was fulfilling. That's great. It didn't win, but that's okay. It got nominated way up there at the top for uh, best song of the year. So. That's wonderful. So I begin these shows with a random question. So I'm going to pull up a random question. Although last week, Danielle said there are no random questions. So uh, this question that I haven't even looked at is very interesting. Uh, the question is, what was your first job? But I don't want to ask what was your first job. I'm going to ask what was your first job as an entertainer? Job is in paid job. Um. Started singing really young. Probably my first gig would have been at 18 in summer stock. Um, I worked in the box office at Hope Summer Theater in Holland. I was a new fall um, student at Calvin College for only one season because they didn't really have theater, musical theater. So uh, $500 for the summer to play Philia with amazing actors. And funny thing happened to the way of the forum and also worked in the box office. That would be my first paid gig at $500. And then one summer later, I was doing all kinds of um, musical theater, um, opera land in Nashville. And um, that, that I did for like five seasons. And that was good money at the time, you know. So that would be my first regular paying gig. You started out better than I did. My first paying job as an, as an actor uh, was in Hopkinton, Rhode Island at the Heritage Playhouse for, are you ready? $35 a <laughs> week. A week! <laughs> and oh my God, uh, I could do a whole show just on those shows uh, that we did. Just incredible. But we're going to bring on our next guest and you're going to pull the next number. So it's number one through four. Four. And that is my dear friend, Betsy Francofini, who I have to say is after my husband. Yes, I was going to bring that up, Richard. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Because you said um, you and Anita Gillette. Anita Gillette is after my husband. Well, as you know, Dan and I are both big civic-minded people That's in right. our town of Piermont. And he has become my um, let's see, my Romeo to my Juliet. <laughs> I just love him so much because the two of us are so into our history. Um, and he has a same, the same skill set as I do, which is in graphics. And he is, has been so helpful since he's come on board that he has lessened the load um, for me. And, and every time he does something, I say, Dan, I want to marry you. And <laughs> seriously. And, and, and then, I want to know what he says. <laughs> he just kind of giggles. And then I said it once or twice in front of Richard and, and the actor that he is. He like, he looks at me like, <laughs> you, you hussy, oh my you. God. 
But you know, I but I want to ask because you are so involved in so many things. I mean, there are nights where I feel, with all due respect, like I am a widower because Danny throws himself so much into the work that he does uh, with the work that he does in Piermont. He is also the parks commissioner, and he's does the beautification of putting the flowers and everything in Piermont uh, and all the work that all of you are doing with the Piermont Historical Society. Yeah. But you're also a photographer. You're always doing all the work that you're doing there. You are a, uh, and we're going to be giving away uh, one of your uh, new books today, uh, Jewels of the Sea. You've written this book. You are, uh, you on Sunday, you're actually going to be doing a talk on how to get uh, your books published. Where and you also are in a relationship yourself, uh, in addition to Danny. Where do you find the time to do everything yourself? Wait a second, Richard. You didn't even talk about my day job. My day job at Rooston Union Art Center. Yeah, well, that too, you know, that which is right takes, on the corner from my mo Most of my work at Rooston Union Art Center, I am literally the social media specialist. Um, I, I do the art curating. I do um, the graphics um for all the the ads that they have and and i'm also um the photographer there so that's what i was doing all day today um i don't know i don't know sometimes i don't sleep literally sometimes i don't sleep um i'm very passionate about the historical society piermont and the historical society and so i do a whole lot of um volunteer work for them but to me it's like a labor of love and danny that's why we're so simpatico danny feels the same he loves but, where, but i want to ask you where are you from originally uh, i think you're from California. over the hill richard over the hill um i i born and raised in um in rockland county in here i was actually born in nyack hospital <laughs> okay i was born in nyack my yeah and my daughter was born in nyack yeah i've lived here i've traveled a lot um, but I love Rockland County. We're just like a stone's throw from New York City. The excitement of New York City. Every time I go there, I just thrive on on the thrill of being in New York and you know the show. Well, let's give a shout out to your daughter. Your daughter is an actress who is really doing very well right now. She's got how many commercials does she have running right now? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. She kind of is the um, new Wendy's girl. So if you've seen a Wendy's commercial recently and there's a Wendy's employee on there with an attitude, um, that's my daughter. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful for her because I'm so happy for her because she's been out in L.A. She went out about just about 10 years ago and um, with nothing, literally nothing and did not have any connections, um, made a connection here in New York by volunteering at a film festival, totally volunteering. One of the agents said, well, if you ever want to come out to, to LA, look me up, I'll help you help set you up. Not that he was going to hire her for anything. And he did not, but that was her only connection with any kind of director or, or agent or anything. She just worked her tail off and in the middle of all of it decided she was going to go back to law school, going to law school after taking your LSATs. So she's graduating this, this month, but she already passed her bar because That's I know, it's I know because she, she graduated going to law school at night and auditioning and everything. She graduated a half a semester early and um, took the bar before her graduation, which is next month. So. I'm the well, proud mom, but well, you should be proud. Uh, today, there's going to be there are two giveaways, and uh, the word of today is leisure, because uh, my husband and Betsy never have any leisure; they're constantly working. Uh, so we're going to be giving away this and my new uh, Richard Skipper mug, uh, which are designed, you know, nice. by uh, Danny uh, Glenn Charlo and Scott Clark. So, uh, Betsy, pull the next number, one through three. Um, two. And that will bring up, uh, speaking of uh, someone uh, with not a lot of leisure, that's Danny Miller. And Danny Miller just got back from the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. Uh, before Danny speaks, a few years ago, uh, they were having a contest, and I entered the contest, and I won. And I went out to uh, Hollywood and I presented Jezebel. 
uh, at uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. And it truly was one of the most exciting moments that I've ever experienced to be there in that excitement with real, honest to God, movie fans. And I'm sure, Danny, that you can uh, tell us that there's nothing like being there. And especially, I can only imagine this year after being uh, shut down for two years because of COVID, um, how many years have you been going to the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival? You've got a very bad, uh, Danny, you've got a very bad connection. Um, what you may want to do is you may want to leave and come back. Just completely close out of your connection and then come back in. Okay, be right. Yes. So, yes. Okay, he'll be back in a moment. So uh, it, when he comes back in, I'll bring him right back on. Uh, but uh, no, so I went out. I presented Jezebel. Uh, and uh, I yes, it was, it, it, it was just the most exciting thing. I was on the red carpet. Uh, and that was when someone treated me to the opening night of Hello, Dolly. And she had entered this contest to treat me. And uh, she was, it, there was this auction going on. And I was on the red carpet when this bidding was going on. So my phone kept binging, tinging, you know, uh, constantly. And there I was on the red carpet. And across the way from me were Lee Grant, Sidney Poitier, uh, Planet of the Apes, all these people dressed as the apes from Planet of the Apes. Uh, I'm going to see if this works for Danny, if this is a better connection. Uh, he's slowly, Danny? Yes. Hi. Can you hear me, Richard? That's much better. So oh, good. thank you. So anyway, we were just saying that you, uh, how many years have, been, you, have you been going uh, to the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival? Since it started in 2010, when Robert Osborne, the wonderful, dearly departed host of TCM, was still there. And boy, back then, I mean, we had people like Tony Curtis introducing several films. Louise Rayner, age 100, was there with The Good Earth. I mean, we had them all. You know, these days, we still have, now they have kind of stars from the 50s, 60s, child stars from the 30s and 40s still. It's an amazing event. And yes, the two years that we couldn't hold it, uh, we were all like so raring to go that we were beside ourselves. But I saw uh, 17 films in uh, in three days. <laughs> it's from early morning to late at night. I tell my family, goodbye, you're not gonna see me for, for a while. And we had people like Warren Beatty was there this year ha having a really fun conversation with Ben Mankiewicz. And then they showed uh, Heaven Can Wait. We had uh, Piper Laurie, who was wonderful. I just loved her and got a chance to talk to her myself, um, who left her career when she was a starlet, uh, I think at 20th Century Fox, because she just hated the work she was getting, even though the film they showed, which was an early Douglas Sirk called Has Anyone Seen My Gal, was wonderful with Rock Hudson and James Dean's first appearance in, in this ice cream shop, which everyone gasped in the crowd. Um, who else did we see? They had cast reunions and screenings of um, League of Their Own, which was amazing. Uh, and just the love on that stage. And also Cooley High, if you remember, I'm from Chicago yeah. originally. So it, that was a love fest as well. And my dear friend D. Uh, D. Wallace was there with E.T. So opening night with E.T. Henry Thomas, Steven Spielberg, of course, Drew Barrymore. I mean, it's super exciting. And of, as you said, it's held in Grauman's Chinese, the Hollywood Roosevelt, and other big old movie palaces in the area. And as you know, I'm a classic movie fanatic. Um, so you know, it's as 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 sometime host Ileana Douglas, the actress and and granddaughter of Melvin Douglas, used to call it. It's like Coachella for shut-ins. <laughs> but the cool thing is we have people of all ages and, you know, that come in from around the world. Right now in our house, we have uh, friends that we met at the festival that were here for the festival. They're still here from Sweden and Norway, and we're going to visit them in July. So, you know, friendships are formed with the common bond of these old movies uh, that, you know, just can't be beat. Uh, no barriers of age or walks of life. It's just so much fun. Uh, when, when, where, and how did your love of these classic films begin for you? You know, uh, as you would see if you walked through my house and saw all my Andy Hardy movie posters that I collected over the years, that uh, the Andy Hardy films from MGM, 
um, were my gateway drug. I think my mother used to show them to me in Chicago on like WGN or something. And then I don't know. Oh, and then when I was about 12, um, there was at the Chicago International Film Festival, they were honoring Vincent Minnelli. And I just went by myself, you know, took the L to this amazing palace that was torn down, the Granada Theater. And they showed like virtually every, I mean, if you ever needed a classic movie education, you can just stick with Vincent Minnelli. You've got the musicals, Meet Me in St. Louis. You've got The Bad and the Beautiful, Blessed for Life. I mean, so bandwagon. So, you know, the best, and he was there and he was presenting, show how old I am. It was his new film, uh, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. Oh my God, Amazing, wow. you know, that film with Barbara Streisand, Yves Montan, um, great film, it was a great experience. I got to talk to him even then as a 12 year old. And that kind of set me on the path. I remember that was around the same year that Bass Entertainment came out. So, you know, we've like watched that over and over again. And so now, you know, and my, my wife is a fellow classic movie fanatic. We have, uh, she comes from this kind of showbiz family. So we have friends from that world. At once at the festival, I interviewed uh, the wonderful actress, Barbara Rush, who we just saw this week, um, who's 95 now. Cora wow. Sue Collins, the child actress who played Garbo in Queen Christina as a little girl. She was hand chosen by Garbo in lots of other movies. Um, she's still a close friend <laughs> that I met at the festival. Um, so it's just a great, a great time. So, and, and boy, but I'm still recovering, you know, our eyes are like melting down our face. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. But who was the, I mean, out of all the stars that you've met, uh, who was the Holy Grail star for you that you finally got to meet? And, uh, did they live up to the expectations of what you expected that star to be? Oh, God, there's a lot, because I also have worked as a movie journalist, and I did get to interview Barbara Streisand, which was something. That was something. That was like, whoa, you know, I can't even believe I'm sitting here, and she was delightful. Um, but, uh, you know... No, that is my Holy Grail interview, so I'm putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one time I got to, I just happened to have this bag here from the festival, and no relation, because my name is Miller, but Ann Miller... Uh, we actually went to her Friars Roast years ago, and I got to talk to her, and I had a copy of her, a book that I had her sign, and I, I don't remember what I said, but just how important she was to me as a kid, and she started crying. Anne Rutherford was there, too, because so I got to tell her how much I enjoyed her as Andy Hardy's girlfriend. Um, one of the first uh, dates I had with my now wife was at this uh, charity event that was a reunion of all the girls from Little Women, the 1949 version that played this year at the festival and they had Margaret O'Brien there. But back then it was with Janet Lee and I mean, you know, June Allison. So I just love those. And and one, a, a close friend of ours was Betty Garrett, who's one of the best and on the town. Um, and as you know, um, uh, another friend of ours is Carol Cook, whose show I think you produced uh -huh. in New York. We saw her on, on Wednesday, my son turned 13. And uh, like most, you know, whoops, are you still there? Oh, that was a mistake. Okay. I, I'm trying to delete that because I want to show you something. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Oh, I'm for, trying to for my son's I want to show you. For my son's 13th birthday, his invited guests were Barbara Rush, Carol Cook. You know, so that's 95, 98 years old. He's kind of a special kid. He's really into, into you know, respecting the elderly and he just loves them. And Marsha Rod, do you know her? Because I was thinking she should be on oh, the yeah. show. A wonderful actress and singer. Um, so, you know, peripherally, I've met a lot of these people and some of them are good friends. And, uh, you know, I just love hearing their stories. Again, Piper Laurie this year was absolutely riveting to me. And of course, then she had her resurgence with Carrie and all that. But, you know, she made well, some bold decisions in her I'm career. I'm sorry about that faux pas just now, but I was trying to bring up a photograph and I, I Googled it so that I could bring it up quickly. Um, this is Danny and me. Uh, from Betsy, you're going to die when you see this because we look like babies here. Um, an afternoon that we spent with Ann Miller uh, many, many years ago. Here we are. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. You're Danny. Ah. My Danny. Wow. <laughs> yes. We, uh, this oh, was when wow. she was doing Follies. She was the, the best. Table. Yeah, she was just absolutely the best. And the interesting thing about this photograph is she was doing Follies at the Paper Mill Playhouse. And uh, she 
she was a friend of a friend. I mean, we spent the whole afternoon with her. She she could have been nicer, and uh, she came out and she's I I've been I've heard so much about you guys. I want to spend as much time with you as possible. Do you mind waiting while I take off my makeup? Uh, did you just see the picture? Yes. That was her, that was, that was her makeup off. That was her street makeup. So she took off her stage makeup to put on her street makeup. But we're going to bring on our next guest, um, and we'll get back to you in a few minutes, Danny. So you pick our next uh, number, one or two. I'm going to say two. Okay, and that's going to bring up Art Smith. And Art Smith, hello, Art. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm envious of the shirt you're wearing. Um, and I love it. He's got his ruby slippers behind him. My ruby slippers are over there, and his rainbow flags are there. And Art is doing this phenomenal project, and he is putting on YouTube these incredible oral histories of the gay bars. Um, I mean, and Art, are they um, all around the country, or are they specific to New York? No, they're all around the country. Uh, and it's kind of fortuitous that I'm on the show today because um, this whole project came out of the kind of COVID shutdown when suddenly we had all this extra leisure time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I took ben, uh, Benjamin Franklin's advice. Uh, he said, leisure is the time for doing something useful. So I started researching all the gay bars that contributed to our community for so long and vanished over the years and people just kind of started forgetting about them. And so I started researching them. And now some two years later, uh, I've documented over 2000 gay bars that existed across the US um, and many more that I know about, but haven't gotten enough details to really make them count. And I've also um, digitally reconstructed their logos from crappy little wow. fourth generation newsprint photocopies uh, so that we have useful versions of their logos. And now I've been working on interviewing um, people from all walks of life, bar owners, bartenders, patrons, celebrities, um, screenwriters, actors, whoever, talking about their memories of gay bars from their past. And in the last year, I've done about 87 uh, interviews, most of which are about 45 minutes to an hour long. Wow. Now, there was a book that came out just a couple of years ago from a gentleman in London, I think it is, um, about the history of gay bars as well. And a lot of people may not uh, you know, understand, but there was a time before the Internet and before uh, sites where people were meeting each other uh, that if you wanted to meet somebody, uh, that's exactly what you did. Uh, Danny and I, we met at Marie's Crisis. Uh, it wasn't just a casual pickup. I was a singing waiter there, and uh, so uh, we got to know each other there. So, uh, but uh, there was a whole world there. Uh, for me, my entree into that world uh, was because of the piano bars, essentially. Uh, that's what pulled me there because I really wasn't a drinker or did that, but they all had a personality um, of their own. Uh, is there an underlying theme that you have found with all of the interviews that you've done, uh, you know, depending upon, of course, the time frame that you're focused on? Well, the big thing to remember, uh, and that keeps coming up time and time again in my um, interviews, whether I'm interviewing somebody who's political, who's the head of a nonprofit organization or an activist group, or if it's a bar owner or a patron or employee, um, is that back in the day, any, pretty much the, the gay bar scene really exploded after World War II. When everybody came back from World War II, you started seeing the growth of public spaces or semi-public um, that were gay bars. And the, the recurring theme that I keep getting is that these were our, um, our safe havens, our community centers. This is what made it possible to create a gay community because you could not organize to have, you know, a, a gay and lesbian task force 
or an Equality Florida or any of these groups, if you didn't have a space to meet that was safe and you didn't have performers, whether they were uh, piano players or drag queens or whatever, to help you raise money so that we could have these, um, you know, these protests and, and, and build these nonprofit organizations to help everybody. And, you know, and a lot of people may not be aware. Um, I think you and I are the token gay uh, guys on the show today. Uh, but a lot of people may not be aware that uh, it wasn't that many years ago that it was illegal uh, to be gay. I mean, a lot of the gay bars in New York, the windows were blacked out uh, so that people from the outside were not able to see in, not because anything nefarious was going on inside, but because it was illegal to be so. Well, yeah, and it would protect the patron. So people wouldn't walk by and casually glimpse in and say, oh, there's James, he must be gay. And then he gets abused for the next you know, 20 years at work and home and everywhere else. Or lose his job. Right, lose his job, you could lose your home. Um, you could go to jail. So yeah, it's, and you know, people don't realize how recent some of that was. Um, there's a movie out there about a, um, a bar that was in Fort Worth, Texas, um, that had a, um, a police raid and a bunch of people arrested and you know, abused for being gay. That happened in 1999. So we're talking like 20 years ago. This is not something that ended in 1962. Um, there were people being harassed and jailed for being gay right up to you know, the year 2000 or even beyond, I'm sure, in some areas. Wow. Well, I, I, I want, and we're going to get back to all of this in a moment, but I do want to bring on our uh, final guest uh, who has been waiting patiently. Uh, she uh, has a new show that is about to open. Uh, Josephine Sanchez is, a, again, another phenomenal uh, cabaret entertainer. Uh, when she hit the uh, scene, I hope you don't mind my saying this, Josephine, um, rather late in the game, if you mind my saying so. I don't mind that at all. No. When she hit the scene, um, she hit with a uh, with a loud bang because all <laughs> of a sudden everyone's going, who is this person? She was, uh, you know, uh, getting the uh, rewards, uh, the awards, uh, the accolades, everything, and really hit with such a splash. But you have a new show that's about to open. I so do. Are you ready, everyone? Fanny Bryce. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. on this show prior to Funny Girl coming back to Broadway? Yes. the impetus for it happening now? Well, um, in 1995, I played the part in a community theater. Um, and in 2020, it was going to be the 25th anniversary. So in 2019, I started to think about doing the show. <clears throat> And everybody knows what happened. Um, so I put the idea up on the shelf and I thought, well, you know, the time has passed, not going to work out, blah, blah, blah. Started working on other things. In the pandemic, I worked on a duo show with a lovely lady called uh, Cindy Firing, who's in Chicago. And so we focused our attention on that. And then, oh, funny girls coming back to Broadway. What? <laughs> you know? Um, and, and you heard so many times over the years, the, the idea that it was maybe coming and then it never did. Right. But here it was actually coming back to Broadway. And it just seemed that the universe was telling me, um, to take advantage of, of the moment and, uh, and revisit the show. So we've been working on it for a couple of months and I'm really excited and terrified and, and all the things, all the feelings that come with putting on a show. And it's been it's been three years since I've done a solo show. So it wasn't just the pandemic, but um, so I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm getting myself back in gear. Like Jennifer was saying, getting myself uh, back back on the uh, on the treadmill, so to speak. So. So when you did Funny Girl, yes. uh, this was community theater, was it? Uh, uh, OK, and that was several years ago. Yeah, that was 1995, I don't okay. mind saying. No, um, so when you did Funny Girl at that time, um, I'm just going to throw a caution to the wind. I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, but my guess is that probably your 
like most of us, your exposure to Fanny Bryce was Barbara Streisand, the movie, uh, and uh, those recordings. Mm -hmm. um, how much did you know about the real Fanny Bryce at that time? I, you know, I went to the library. There were three books. <laughs> that was it. You know, there was no internet. There was, so that was all I could go on. Um, so yeah, it was all about, it was all about, of course, finding my own way into the material, but you couldn't help but look at, you know, and listen to Barbara Streisand perform it and, uh, and want to somehow, you know, try to, try to match that as best you could. So it's an interesting uh, time now because now I can really dig into who Fanny was uh, more than ever. Has and your perspective changed on her since then? Um, yes. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, she really was a throw forward. Uh, she was just so far ahead of her time, her attitude, her, you know, way of living. Um, she really could have been born today and, and you would have said, oh yeah, she, you know, there would be nothing unusual about, about the way she would approach life. But she was born in 1891. So and she was very, fairly young when she died. Yes. Yes. Only 58, I think, 58 or 59. 56, I think. It Wasn't she 56 or was she older than I'll, that? I'll check that fact. Okay. Uh, yeah. She was yeah, just about my age now. So. Wow, wow. Amazing what she accomplished in her short life. Wow. Yeah. Well, now that you're all here, we're going to do a little round robin type of thing. <clears throat> uh, and uh, I want to start with our word of the day. Uh, and, of course, the word is leisure. And all of you are very hardworking people in terms of the work that you do. When it comes to leisure, and I'll start with you, Jennifer, uh, do you find that you take the time for leisure in your life? And if so, what does that word mean for you? And how do you fit it into your world? And, and where do you fit it in? Hmm. That would be the hardest word for me because I don't have that much free time. So I would say leisure I'd find on the road when I was traveling a lot. Uh, my favorite thing to do would be stay an extra day and get out and sightsee and explore whatever's in that city that I haven't seen before. Sometimes it's a farmer's market or record stores. Um, that's what I always tie into my my travel work. Mm -hmm. At home, I've been so busy the last year trying to stay caught up again that leisure is a big thing. This is my first day off in quite a while. And um, so leisure is taking two walks today. Uh, getting my home in order, uh, listening to music I want to hear. Um, I'm finding that if I listen to certain things or tune into something, I get motivated to work on my craft. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's harder for me to find leisure at home because there's so many responsibilities. Uh, travel, I may get a priority. Okay. And what about you, Betsy? Um, well, like you said, Richard, we don't, Dan and I don't have much leisure time. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> we are trying so, to we are trying to figure out a way to get away for a week this summer, and it's like it's it's almost impossible. Don't take them away before June 11th. That's our fundraiser. Okay. <laughs> I know it won't it won't happen. Don't worry. No, he's helping a lot. Um, yeah. Well, uh, actually, um, when I take walks, <clears throat> and what I used to do is I always have a podcast, always have something going on. Um, the most the best thing I've found is just having silence. And, and just by doing that, it's amazing how many, how many thoughts that creative thoughts that, that, that have come, come to me. Um, it's just amazing. And to me, that's, uh, you know, that we, we live on the hill, on the hills here in Piermont. It's like pier, you got the pier in the water and you've got the mountains. So you're either down on the pier or you're in the mountains. So I love to climb the mountains. And um, while I do it, um, I've come up with so many great ideas for my book and which I didn't, I talked more about my daughter. So just let me talk a little bit about oh, my book. Oh, of course, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, about, um, it's about the ocean and it's also about the science that we really need to pay attention to. And it's a fanciful tale, but in the back, there's all real science that the kids will end up um, reading with their parents. So in other words, you've got these beautiful, these are not, um, these are photographs. 
I illustrated this book. I'm not just the author. I'm the illustrator. So I use, these are my illustrations. However, I worked with a microscopist who was a photographer who used a microscope. And um, we, he photographed these diatoms. And diatoms are something, if you, everyone should know, is um, what makes life on Earth possible. And it gives us 25% of the air we breathe. It's the bottom of the food chain. It helps with global warming because it, it goes through photosynthesis. So I'm very passionate about bringing science. And this is the third book I've done, in fact, that's science related. Um, it, and I started out with Christine Lavin, like you mentioned, um, all about another microscopic thing called an amoeba. We did the amoeba hop together. And that's what brought me to, to this diatom book uh, in a way. And so... For me, that's my work is leisure to me because when I'm doing something as exciting as this, it's it's leisure, <laughs> and and that's a good thing because I'm always so busy. <laughs> so between walks and silence and doing what I really love, that's my leisure. That's great. And Danny, same question for you, but I want to ask: when you're doing something like TCM, do you find moments of leisure at something like the, uh, the TCM Film Festival? I mean, watching classic films in general, whether it's the festival or just spacing out at home, uh, is my nirvana. That like takes me to a different place completely. I'm sure if I was hooked up to like a brain machine, you'd see the waves change. So <laughs> I, I'm a strong, a strong believer in leisure, but as a freelance writer and book editor, you know, there are periods like people have been talking about where it's morning till midnight, you know, you roll out of bed, there's not the boundaries, we, what's a weekend? So when I can find it and take it, I do. And one of my other favorite things to do that really puts me on a different track is um, traveling or at least being in places that are not my, you know, usual thing and seeing people with different perspectives, different lives. Um, and we had had a huge, it was going to be my son's first time out of the country at the time when, when the pandemic started, he was just turning 11. And we had this huge trip to Europe plan. We were going to see a bunch of friends we know there. And of course, that was canceled. So we've got that back on the books now for July. We're going to France, Germany, Sweden, and Norway. And we've been learning um, as a pandemic project. My son and I have been uh, learning German because it was, I speak French, but it was, German was like so difficult that I thought I got to keep the brain going. And that to me was so fun. I love languages. That's like so relaxing to me. And again, just to get the different perspective after three years of being, you know, stuck in our house, it's like, get me out of this country, please, for a little bit. Um, so um, we're totally obsessed about that. Very excited about just going abroad and, and hanging out with people that have different lives than we do. That's great. And what about you, Art? And with the work that you're doing, do you get a chance to visit a lot of the uh, venues that you uh, interview about and uh, talk yeah. about? Not really. Well, partially because out of the 2000 that I've um, worked on so far, probably 1955 of them uh, have been closed for years. So those are impossible to visit. They're gone forever. Um, and, you know, also because of COVID, that kind of reduced the possibility of traveling much. Um, I have started to include bars that are still in business, because I kept asking myself, um, you know, why the hell didn't somebody document these bars when they were around? Mm -hmm. And then I said, aren't you idiot? You're not doing it either. You're oh. focusing on the ones that closed 20 years ago. So I have interviewed people who are just opening brand new gay bars around the country uh, and ones that have been in business for 20, 30, 40 years. But um, just like uh, Betsy had said, you know, part of my leisure is living the history of gay bars now. Um, I have a, a gay archives group on Facebook that's about a year old, and we've got over 5,000 active members who talk about their remember, memories from bars all over the country and the world. Um, I have a whole bookcase, this is part of it, of books about gay bar history and stories related to gay bars, murders that happened in gay bars, all kinds of things. Um, and then also, as Danny said, uh, a friend of mine was going to Paris a few years ago, just before the pandemic, and um, he was wanting to learn French. 
before he went. And he said, I know you studied French some. Why don't you download this Duolingo app and we can practice together so I'll get better at it before I go? Well, um, 1,855 days later, I am still doing my daily French lessons on Duolingo. And I look forward to it. I find time, whether you know it's on a car ride somewhere for 15, 20 minutes, or sitting in a restaurant waiting for your food to arrive, or in a doctor's office waiting, you know, just 15, 20 minutes a day and just do French lessons. So I guess Betsy and Danny took my uh, my two leisure activities separately. <laughs> well, you can join them sometime and do it with them. Come to Piermont. Uh, yes. uh, Josephine. Well, uh, for leisure, I just love to just go in the backyard and just see what's growing, you know, whether if it's a dandelion or whatever it is, uh, just sort of take in nature. Um, that's one of the things I do. I'm also a potter, which means uh, I go to the pottery studio as often as I can and work on the wheel. And that's really cathartic for me um, to create something. It's, it's just an amazing feeling to have, you know, a pound of mud, literally, and to create a beautiful something out of it. Um, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful um, therapy for me. So that would be what I, I like to do. I try to get there as often as I can, a couple of times a week if I can. Um, right now, I'm getting there less often. And I can feel it when, I, when I'm gone for a while. It's like, oh, i got to get back to it. got to get back to it. So, yeah, the things that feed your soul, those, those are the things that we uh, have to do more of. And we did that so much during the pandemic, right? We really learned how to do that. And now we've forgotten. <laughs> you know, no, we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget. I want to talk about the flip side of this, and we'll start with you, Josephine. We'll go. Uh, we're going to go uh, the other way. <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, and that is, uh, you know, instead of, you know, with all of us are talking about our passion today. That's what I'm loving hearing everyone talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask each of you, and I'll start with you, Joseph. What do you feel is the most important action that you've taken when it comes to the work that you do? The most important action, it's really the very first moment you say yes to something. It's that moment where you, instead of thinking, well, maybe this, maybe that, I don't know, da, da, da. It's that moment you say, okay, what time are we doing this next week, Monday? It's that decision. Mm -hmm. that's, really, uh, that's really what it comes down to. That's you great. Know? Yeah. What about you, Art? When it comes to this project that you're currently working on, what do you think is the most important action that you've taken on it? The most important action was <laughs> the decision after I had gotten into it and started you know, getting my research rolling was deciding that I was going to share it with other people and to watch the joy that it brings to other people to get messages from people saying, oh, my God. I had forgotten about that place. That was the best time in my life. I met my husband there. Um, it started my career. You know, I met the person who later set the path for my future there. So uh, deciding to share the project and not keep it just as my own little, you know, research project, I think that was the, the biggest and most important move that I made with it. That's great. And you, Danny? Oh no! <laughs> I, I Did think we lose him again. There's the bad connection, uh, Danny. We, we've got a yeah. growing up in a in an urban Jewish family. We had a tendency to catastrophize. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, can you yes. hear me? Yes. Oh shoot! Can you not hear me? Oh sorry. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, yes. I'll just cut it short by saying that, like, for me, one of the biggest lessons you can't. Hear me of the pandemic was to uh, live in the moment. Um, and especially, you know, my son has been a real teacher for me. His passion is super centenarians, which are people that are over 110 years old. There's hundreds of them. You wouldn't believe it. The oldest woman in the world just died at 119. But anyway, because of that, and I told you earlier that, you know, to his birthday party this week, he invited several friends in their 90s. 
And so my lesson is always like, don't, you know, and, and of course with this group of people, including super, you know, there's, ca there's casualties when you're, when you're following people who are over 110 and yeah, uh, you know, and he has big emotions about it, but the lesson was just don't put off those connections with people. So we spend as much time with our elderly friends as we possibly can knowing that, you know, we don't know what the future brings. And that was a great lesson of the pandemic, slowing down, reaching out, spending time with people. Um, that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know exactly the moment. Um, I've, I've been a children's book illustrator. That was my major in, in college was illustration. And so I loved illustrating books. I did illustrate um, a bunch of books. Um, 20 years ago, I, I decided I wanted to, to uh, determine what story I was going to illustrate. And a leap of faith, it was like a dream. Oh, because I had loved Christine Lavin's music for 10 years at that point. Oh, it would be great if I could illustrate one of her songs because that's the thing about children's books. It's illustrating a song, mm -hmm. uh, a story. And her mm -hmm. songs are all beautiful, wonderful stories. And the leap of faith was going to one of her concerts and then asking her. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, no, I can't bother her. But, but pursuing it and doing it with her has changed my life. It literally has changed my life. Um, the places that we've gone together. I was on the stage of town hall with her. I've traveled around with her. It's been wonderful. And it gave me this whole, um, this whole respect for teaching children science, really, because her, her, her book was about amoebas. And that's what started me on that journey, which. Oh, that's so, what a great story. That's wonderful. Yeah, don't, Just take reach the, for the stars. Take those chances. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what it. about you, Jennifer? I would say having a vision and taking the first step in faith. Yeah. I bought my house with a thousand dollars down. I knew that this was a place I'd love to, to land. And it was a first step. Um, my first demo my um, first show in New York, not knowing the community yet, um, committing to a course of action, which was just, you know, my director and musical director said yes. Then my CD um, was definitely a step in faith. And it took two years to complete. But I stepped out, started the process, and inch by inch got to New York and, and finished it. And same thing with my Sheldon Harnick show. Taking that first step, because we get caught up in making a living, raising children, um, you know, status quo, whatever that thing is that's pulling us away from, let's say, our intended path or, or, or our talents. Mm -hmm. So at that mm -hmm. simple opportunity to take that step, I've done it several times. And it's hard because I'm in that holding pattern now for my next step, but I know yeah. I'll do it. Well, you have to. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to give away uh, Betsy's book and one of my mugs. So I'm going to show you how this works. Uh, we're going to uh, bring up the word leisure here. And then I am going to, we're going to do the drawing. We've got nine people who have uh, entered. So we'll see who our winner is today. And, uh, okay. Michael Colby. So, uh, uh, that's great. So Michael, uh, so Michael just uh, reach uh, me after the show. And we'll do this. I'm going to take this off and I'll be in touch with you, Michael. Uh, so first of all, I want to thank you all for being here. You're all going to get a chance to have your final word today. So think about what that uh, will be, whether it's to talk about your project or whatever it is that you want to do. And if you'll all send me any details about anything, that will also go on YouTube. So I've got uh, Betsy, I've got you, all your uh, links, uh, Art, uh, all of you. Uh, Josephine, make sure that I've got everything so that it all goes on YouTube. Um, I'm going to give my uh, final uh, word, and then I'm going to turn it over to one of you, and uh, we'll each uh, uh, wrap up uh, our week before we go into the weekend. Uh, leisure, for me, is something that uh, I have a hard time with, uh, which Danny, well, I am here when I, we talk about this, uh, when I went to, when we went to Provincetown uh, last year, uh, I was having trouble uh, getting around. And I was having trouble getting around because um, I had gained 60 pounds. And I had gained the 60 pounds because I had been sitting here at my desk every day uh, doing this. And 
I wasn't aware. Uh, Danny, for the first uh, three months of COVID, was working from home. And we were ordering. Piermont is known for its restaurants and the local restaurants in the towns around. We were ordering out every night. We were eating in and uh, watching TV. And I wasn't getting exercise. I wasn't doing any of those things. And we went to uh, Provincetown. And even to get away from Provincetown, I'm constantly thinking about what I want to do when I get back and what's the next show and how are we going to do all this? And I was just driven to get back, but I was in constant pain. So I called my doctor and I said, I need to see a chiropractor. And he said, well, come in and let's see what the problem is. I walked in, he says, get on the scales. First words when, I, when he saw me. And I weighed 265 pounds. And uh, so he said, you got to lose the weight. So uh, I walked out of there and I made a commitment. And the next morning I started going, I go for a 30 minute walk every morning. I am out of bed every morning, Danny, <laughs> Betsy, every morning before Danny gets up, I go for a walk um, between 5.30 and six o'clock in the morning. And it's that walking out, hearing the birds, seeing the squirrels, there's not even traffic at that time in the morning. But it's that, it clears my mind. It's the, the way that my day starts. And it's just really setting the tone for my day. And I think it's something that we all need to do. And we all need to take this time. Um, Danny, you know, he said, we need to go away for a week just, just to get away from everything. And when Danny comes home at night, uh, I turn my phone off. I, I turn off all social media. It's important that we all do this and we need to take the time to do this. Even if I had someone on the show a couple of months ago and she does this thing with her kids where once a week for 24 hours, they disconnect. And I think it's important that we all take the time to do this uh, because uh, we're losing something in our culture. And I think that it, you know, even going to see a show or something and people are constantly checking their phones and uh, that they are not even in the moment of being at a show or being in those moments, we need to take the time to do this. So that's my message for everybody today. Take these moments to read Betsy's book, uh, to go to Art's site, to go to Josephine's show, to listen to Jennifer's uh, CDs uh, on the radio. They're there. Uh, Danny, uh, how can people get in touch with what you're doing? Uh, call Danny, go see a movie with him. <laughs> you know, uh, there are things that we can do uh, to take um, the time with our friends. Anyone who knows me, uh, I will get to my closing uh, moments with every show that I do. But what I want you to all to do after today's show is go to YouTube. Uh, if this is your first time here, subscribe. My show is about celebrating. I celebrate artists and their body of worth. I celebrate all of you and your body of worth and what you bring to the table. Uh, share this with your friends. Tell other people about the work that all of them are doing. Uh, and let's celebrate each other instead of tearing each other down. Uh, there's a lot of that going on, and we don't need to contribute to it. And I'm going to tell you all what the secret of social media is all about. And I was having this conversation with someone uh, on uh, Facebook earlier today. I hope he's watching uh, because you've saw, seen these games going around, uh, the show that you dislike the most, the show you like the most. And I'm going, why are people sending these things around? Why put out the shows that you dislike the most, the shows that you don't like, the things, why even bother with any of this stuff? It's not building anyone up. Remember that with every one of these shows, that somebody worked hard on those shows. Cast members worked on those shows. People spent years creating that work. If you didn't like it, don't write about it. You don't need to tell the world that you didn't like a particular show. Just delete it. Get rid of it. Social media is based on three things. Like, comment, and share. 
And we can do this with all of our fellow artists. Like a comment, share it, and spread it around. And if it's something that you don't feel like you want to comment on in a positive way or share it, you can simply delete it. And that way you're not contributing to the negativity out there. Uh, I also end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and uh, reach out to the third name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Uh, Betsy, what's the best place to get this book? Uh, well, I hate to say it, but it is on Amazon. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon or my website, um, BetsyFrancoFini.com. Yes. So all, everybody who's watching this show knows that you can go to YouTube and you can click on the link and you can order right through uh, her link on my YouTube channel. Or you can go to her uh, website and you could order two copies. You keep one copy for yourself. And then you're going to reach out to the third name on your list and you're going to send them a copy and you're going That's to tell them, what, yes, and you're going to tell them what they mean to you. Uh, and uh, as my dear friend, Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And you never know what someone else is going through right now. Uh, we lost Art. I don't know where he went. I hope he comes back. Uh, but if he doesn't come back, Art, we loved you for being here. Uh, so I hope that you'll come back. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the screen right now. And I'm actually going to go to you, Josephine. And I'm going to start with you. So when you finish, you'll pick someone else. And then that person will pick the next person and so on. And the final person uh, will just, uh, when you are finished speaking, just say goodbye and the credits will start to roll. Thank you all for being here, everyone. Uh, make it a better tomorrow. And remember... We've got a weekend ahead of us. Take some time for some leisure. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Love you, Richard. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So is this my turn to just plug my show? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> May 6th and May 18th at the Laurie Beachman Theater. I'm really excited to be doing this. Um, yeah. I hope you'll come. We'll do some more shows in the fall, I think, I hope, but um, May 6th and May 18th. So please come, and uh, I would love to see you all there. It's just been way too long. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Richard, and I'm going to pick Betsy. Okay. Well, Josephine, don't forget to put your things uh, in Richard's chat or, or, you know, whatever he was saying, and then, then we'll have more information. Um, uh, on Sunday, this Sunday, anyone local, um, I'm going to be telling people how I illustrated and and wrote uh, children's books, and I have lots of information, so, you know, hopefully you'll uh, come. And the message I want to leave with every, everybody is a bumper sticker I found, and my partner hates bumper stickers, but I said, I have to keep this one on, and it says, please be kinder than necessary. Just think of that, please. And I'll throw it to Danny. Thanks, Betsy. And I just want to say what, a, what an honor it was to be on this panel. I want to follow all of you. Your projects sound great. I want to read the children's book. I love Fanny Bryce. I wish I was in New York to see that, but hopefully there'll be a recording of it. Um, and I just want to say how much I appreciate Richard Skipper. First of all, I'm tickled that I bet a lot of newbies to this uh, show probably think, oh, did that, there's his husband, Danny. Well, it's not me, but, uh, but, but I love that some people might think that. Um, but I just want to say, I didn't know about Richard show until I was on it a few months ago. And I just want to say uh, how inspiring he is to me because he's just an oasis of, of positivity and inspiration in this sea of misery we're all living in so much of the time. And what I especially love, because he's had on people that I just admire so much and like I'm in awe of, but he talks exactly the same to them as he does to everyone else, including me, who is not in show business as much as I peripherally dance around it. Uh, so I just really appreciate him. I think he's an amazing interviewer, and uh, I hope I'm on the show again someday without the technical problems that I apologize for. And uh, But thank you, and uh, here's to you, Jennifer. 
Thank you, Danny. I want to say happy birthday to Danny. Uh, Danny Sherman, I love you. Richard Skipper, I love you. You've true, you've proven to be true friends. And um, I would say two messages. One is be your authentic self. Uh, love your friends like Richard. Richard is true to his own path and he does great things for all of us. He enables artists to put their uh, point of view out there and their art out there. And most importantly, I'd like people to think back to what is the one thing you were put on this earth to do? You got to find that. And when you do that, uh, you find fulfillment, but you're also sharing your gifts uh, to make a difference in other people's lives. So it's difficult sometimes to get back to what we were intended to do, but it's really fulfilling. So find your path, stick to it. Blinders on, as Richard and I say, and God bless. Thanks for having me, Richard. Bye. Bye.